This is Bobby Guy with the 10-Minute Health BizCast. This is album six, track one. Welcome to album six. This album is different and it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to hear the answers that our guests have given to the snap your fingers question over the last three years, all strung together in a few tracks. If you could snap your fingers and change one thing about U.S. healthcare, what would it be? In the last five albums, we've gotten answers to this question from almost 40 healthcare leaders. So we're going to break the 10-minute rule for album six. We'll call album six a double album or a mashup. Or for REM fans out there, you can think of this as our own very humble version of eponymous. Importantly, we're not going in the order of the original tracks. Instead, we're going to string them together so that you get to hear from multiple leaders in the same or similar sectors, and then we'll move to the next sector. So, for example, we'll put the guests talking on women's health together, and we'll put the tech guests together. I'll introduce who it is giving the answer, and we'll provide some minimalist context. But I think you'll find that most of these answers speak for themselves, and they don't need much from me. Maybe... Just maybe, you'll find an idea or some motivation here, a spark that can catch fire. So with that, let's get moving. We'll start with the behavioral subsector. This is a hot topic in the current healthcare environment, especially as we go through a national mental health crisis, which, by the way, was predicted at the beginning of the COVID pandemic as the inevitable result of all the isolation. Behavioral is a very hot area for private equity investment right now in healthcare, and it's growing rapidly. Here's Merritt Wyden in an interview we recorded just before the pandemic started in 2020 and released soon after. He's talking about behavioral telehealth for seniors. The fact is that most seniors do live at home, and only a small percentage of them live in rural areas. And most are covered by traditional Medicare and not by anything else. So dropping the restrictions on traditional Medicare coverage of telehealth would really change senior health for the better, you know, in a, in a, in a major way. So that actually happened just a few weeks after this interview. As part of the emergency measures during the pandemic, Medicare started covering telehealth so that patients wouldn't have to take COVID risk to talk to their providers. And it was such a huge improvement. CMS is continuing it for the moment, even after the end of COVID emergency authorization. Long term, we need Congress to pass a law allowing this as part of Medicare. Now, here's Ray Tomasi, one of the founders of behavioral and addiction care nonprofit, Gosnold Innovation Center. Bringing behavioral health into the mainstream of medical care and and addressing the person as a whole person, a mind-body connection. And I think that that would go a long way to eliminating this sort of stigma and the isolation of addiction and mental health conditions and And we would normalize it, and I I think we'd see tremendous progress from there. Next up is Kevin Lee, a 30-year veteran of behavioral care and founder of American Recovery Partners. So many people uh, do not get their mental health needs met. It's about half the people. Um, And it's because they are concerned if they admit they're struggling they may have depression and don't know it, or they've just got anxiety such that they're having panic attacks, but they don't want to 
go to a therapist or go to a psychiatrist. They're afraid to because they don't want to miss any work or they don't want a family member to know they're in denial. I just want to make it super easy for people. I want all of our people in the United States to believe that it's okay that so many of us have that challenge. It's one out of four of us. So why not get some help? And finally, on the behavioral subsector, here's what Brian Holser, a CEO of Aware Recovery Care, says when asked about snapping his fingers. And you got to love the intro. You know, I'm not smart enough to, to, uh, to, to be able to answer that question. Um, I, I think I, I, on a daily basis, I, I consider myself a student of healthcare. I try and learn every day. Um, there, there is so much good happening. And I'm internally optimistic about just the, the sheer influence of, of, of capital and smart people thinking about how to make this better. I, I think, though, at the same time, we have to be realistic. And this disconnected ecosystem that is increasingly politicized is increasingly an immovable rock. And we, we have to, in my view, stop thinking sort of point solutions and start thinking about how to all work together to create meaningful platforms that can start not chipping away at the rock, but moving the rock. And I think vaccines is a good example. I, you know, to, to some degree, we saw a, a coordinated effort between the private and public sector to drive very quick and meaningful innovation that has led to a, a, record, um, a record pace with vaccine development that we're all going to be benefiting from. I, I, I want to see more of that, you know, sort of the coordinated effort to, to break down the walls, to start thinking on how we work together instead of in, in disconnect with each other and realize that these simple solutions are not going to solve the complexity of the problem. We are going to have to start sort of breaking down the walls and allowing the private and the public sector within the, the public sector, the various stakeholders within the public sector to be able to work together to meaningfully drive innovative platform solutions to move the rock, not chip away from the rock. And that's that honest dialogue about what it's going to take to get there is what I think is lacking. Uh, and I would love to see more of that because I think that was what would lead to more examples and use cases similar to what we've seen recently with vaccine development. Now let's jump over to the senior housing sector, starting with David Schles, head of the American Seniors Housing Association. I think we're just at the cusp right now of the healthcare industry recognizing senior living and the role of senior living in delivering care. Mm-hmm. Um, so that recognition of the value of senior housing, that we can really be a gatekeeper for healthcare, uh, that we can help manage access to care, uh, prevent hospitalizations, prevent rehospitalizations. I think we're in the, the real early innings of that. And I think there is a very clear role, a very healthy and and helpful role that senior living can play in the broader healthcare system. But I think to some extent, we've not been seen as part of that healthcare delivery system. And yet, you certainly can see how many different things the senior care industry can do to help improve the well-being of seniors. And, and, And that is one of those things that in the next five years, we will see probably a really radically different understanding of senior living in the broader healthcare system. I think we're really, really on the edge of that happening. I agree with David. And this is the second time today we're hearing about a service historically on the periphery, moving into the mainstream of what we call healthcare. In fact, what senior living does is manage chronic conditions, and chronic conditions are such a large part of the healthcare spend, I think senior living may actually be the source of some of the models for changing healthcare. 
Now let's go to Derek McLaren, head of development at Diversicare. Well, if I could snap my fingers and just make it happen, I would change our overall approach to public health. You know, we need to focus more on wellness and prevention. We are outpacing our capacity to provide care to, you know, a growing population whose health is declining. You know, the Medicare fund is running out with no relief in sight. So, you know, the problem is, you know, this is going to take generations to change. Um, You know, unhealthy lifestyles are just part of our culture. You know, fast food, no exercise. I mean, just look at Look at any office parking lot, all the spots up close are taken, you know, and ironically, go to a gym or a health club, same thing. You know, they're going to exercise, but they want to get the closest spot to the gyms. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's just simply parking farther away, using stairs instead of the elevator. I mean, it would make a big difference, but that's changing people's behavior and that requires them wanting to change. And we've got to figure out how to make them want to change, so... I could have a wish, that would be it. Next up, James Lee, CEO and co-founder of senior living provider, Bella Groves. You know, if I could snap my fingers and change something about healthcare in the U.S., um, I would make the healthcare data just universally available and free. And I think um, that would unlock so much about what we could do um, as separate industries that kind of make up healthcare. Imagine if we as a small, you know, business here in San Antonio, Texas, if we had access to data and research about um, dementia progression and behaviors, you know, imagine what we could do, how fast we could kind of jump to solutions. So I think the way that, you know, Wikipedia kind of has changed the, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's killed encyclopedia businesses, but that concept that um, it's all crowdsourced information and available to people. Can you imagine what what healthcare would do, how fast it would grow in terms of solutions if there was a similar mentality to data? And now we'll hear from Lynn Katzman, founder and CEO of senior provider Juniper Communities. I think the one thing that I would really like to see, and this is kind of indicative of your whole line of questioning, is I'd like people to understand that change is good and that as much as medicine has changed and real estate has changed, people have changed. And I think none more so than in the last year via COVID. And so I think embracing change rather than fearing it is probably the thing I'd like to see change the most. And I think with that, you'll see more innovation. You'll see more openness to new programming that I think ultimately will help our business thrive. Lynn is giving that answer after discussing how Juniper did something very out of the ordinary for a senior provider. They read ahead on Obamacare. They recognized that it was focused on comprehensive care and transitions between providers. And so they decided to create their own Medicare Advantage plan so they could manage those transitions for seniors. Something she talks about in depth on her interview. Finally, for senior, let's go to Ryan Frederick. He's founder and CEO of Smart Living 360, now renamed HERE, H-E-R-E. And he's the author of Right Place, Right Time. Well, the first thing would be to have insurance companies return my call, but more, <laughs> but, but more, 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 more seriously, Bobby, I do think it's, 
we spend so much money on healthcare right now, you know, north of three trillion dollars, and and our life expectancy. We don't seem to be getting a good ROI on our life expectancy. We're an outlier compared to um, uh, pretty much every other country. So if I were to snap my fingers, the biggest thing to me would be that we uh, encourage, enable more people to have personal agency over their health. And we have the ability uh, through different services and perhaps even content to, to make that easier for people. And this is where I think place has a big role. You know, we have, we used to live in Baltimore, Maryland, and in the zip code we were in, we had a life expectancy that was 20 years greater than the neighboring zip code. Hmm. So I think the more that we can think about health more broadly and have it seep into our place policy, it'll, I think it'll help people of many different income stratas and ages just thrive outside of our healthcare system. So that's not going to happen overnight, but you asked me what I could snap my fingers. That's what I snap my fingers and create much better places and a culture oriented to health rather than areas where really people struggle. And we invest, in my view, far too much on, on situations where people are already burdened by complicated health situations. Now let's hear from a number of providers who are working in the comprehensive care and chronic condition space, managing those conditions. First up, Dr. David Hazi, founder of the Maxwell Clinic and a functional medicine doctor. I would have all for-profit uh, insurance companies have to keep their covered lives for 10 years, period, immediately. I think immediately, now that what you cause is an alignment of the insure, insurers to help individuals be well, because to the extent they could do that, the insurance companies could be more profitable by not having as many claimed illnesses uh, and, and long-term expense. Now we'll hear from Dr. Naresh Gwanaratnam, co-founder and chief medical officer of Lean Medical. I think one of the key messages going forward is that the current medical system is what I call a sick care system, meaning that we are programmed to just treat disease. We look for disease and we treat this, and it's sort of a, uh, we are disincentivized to prevent disease. We are, you know, it's an episode of care where someone shows up with a medical problem, we put them on a drug or do a procedure, and then you go about your business. We don't really start thinking about the fact that the patient's hypertension, diabetes, hypercholesterolemia, sleep apnea, and joint pains are all due to one thing, which is obesity. So rather than fix that one thing, we are very well trained and capable of treating the five things that result from the obesity, but we're now capable of treating the obesity itself. Right now, I think the focus of the 21st century would be to treat the uh, core issue, which is to treat the obesity. And I think I'm really encouraged that programs like ours are going to make a difference in um, helping so many people who are struggling with this problem. In 2020, 40% of the U.S. population is obese, and all of the diseases associated with obesity, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, and cancer all correlate. And unfortunately, we're going to be running into this epidemic that we can either play whack-a-mole and try to fix 15 problems or try to really go after the root cause, which is obesity. And I think that should be our focus uh, in 2020 and onward. 
Dr. Adam Perry is an ER doctor who's the John A. Hartford Foundation Health and Aging Policy Physician Fellow with clinical leadership roles at Dispatch Health and ChinMed. Let's see what he says. I think sort of at, at the heart of it uh, for a root cause would be, you know, if I woke up tomorrow and, the, and sort of the, the payment incentives were aligned um, to provide sort of the, what we call the geriatric principles, you know, for, for safe and coordinated and goal concordant care for, for our most vulnerable people who are, who are at risk for, for hospitalizations and rehospitalizations. Um, and so if we, we could align the incentives by tomorrow morning for these patients and their families, I think the models would follow pretty quickly to do care expertly and quickly and safely uh, and in a way that patients and their families want. Finally, for comprehensive care and managing chronic conditions, here's Andy Friedel, co-founder and CEO of Health Align, recently renamed Helper Bees, that provides all the support services for patients to receive care at home. Yeah, I'm a big believer in marketplace model because I think it drives innovation. Um, and so I think that's one of the best things that we have in our system. But at the same time, you know, innovation takes time. It's slow and that can be frustrating. And I can imagine if it's frustrating for me and I'm seeing it uh, firsthand and I'm seeing the progress that we're making, I can you know, only imagine how frustrating it is for people who don't see it. You know, I'm visiting my mom this week who just had knee surgery and I'm seeing uh, the challenges. She's in a really rural part of Maine and I'm seeing the challenges she's having getting services into the home. And so I know that for members who are experiencing that, that can be frustrating. Uh, and so I guess if I could snap my fingers it would be to figure out a way to accelerate some of that creative destruction and innovation that, that is the great part of our system and that uh, has made um, you know, so many advances in healthcare and just to, to be able to make it faster, bring it faster to folks so people could see the value of it. All right, that's it for track one of album six. More of the mashup on the next track. This has been the 10 Minute Health BizCast, broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>